Yeah. This episode of Talking Smith about film is 50% live, 50% pre-recorded. We don't want a repeat of any technical issues like last week, do we? Oh, and new intro. Honestly, that took so much work to do, and only our YouTube viewers will get to see that. Hello, and welcome to Talking Smith About Film, the flagship podcast from LeeJackSmith.com. <sighs> Feels good to be back. Touch wood, no stream crashes tonight. <sighs> I'm just relieved that worked. I'm just relieved that that worked. We have a busy show ahead. We've got, not got one, we've not got two, but we've got three reviews for you all this week. And it's a little bit different in that the reviews were recorded earlier today, just to ensure that we have something for our podcast listeners. And we want to hear from you. It means I can respond in the chat a little bit more if you're watching live. Uh, literally anything can happen and we want to get this done by 8 o'clock for pretty obvious reasons. Uh, so without any further ado, let's tell you exactly how you can get involved with Talking Smith About Film. You can get involved with Talking Smith About Film in the following ways. You can tweet us using the hashtag TalkingSmith. You can comment on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash smithonfilm. And if you are a patron, you can submit questions directly. Head to patreon.com forward slash Smith for more information. And if you become a patron, you can get early access to every new episode of the journal 24 hours before it goes out on YouTube. Exclusive extra podcasts and so much content. This is the year of Born Independent, and we really can't do it without you. Oh, I'm, like I said, I'm just glad that the new intro worked for a change. The amount of tech issues we've had here at Smith HQ over the last couple of weeks have been quite mind-blowing. Let's talk about our first review. Pre-recorded earlier today. I enjoyed it. Mild spoiler there. Uh, it was a 2016 film. It came out of nowhere when it was released, and I think the trailer does a much better explanation of it than I can. This is the trailer for Nerve. Welcome to Nerve, a game like Truth or Dare minus the truth. Watchers pay to watch, players play to win, cash and glory. Are you a watcher or a player? Are you a watcher or a player? Are you a watcher, player, watch player? It's cool, right? This looks very sketchy. <laughs> is this legal? Life is passing you by. You need to take a few risks every once in a while. I do take risks. Okay. You're playing nerve. Do you accept your derby? Kiss a stranger a for five stranger. seconds. <gasps> Just kiss that guy. Okay. Okay, bye. <laughs> Apparently the watchers want me to team up with you. I don't think I'd make a very good partner. Stay. Let's see what else happens. Okay. Is that me? Do you know where I can find this dress? My wallet, my clothes, everything's gone. No, my stuff is gone too. 
go on. I'm not Look, we don't have a choice. Technically, it just says we have to leave the store. Big fan. Hold on, I'm just doing the Y in Daddy. What? He's kidding. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. You know that some kid died in Seattle playing nerve? What happens if I bail? You lose everything. All of our money is missing. Wait, Mom, what? Officer! <laughs> Officer, I need help. We don't do this. How do you know my name? What the hell is going on? Watchers, they stole our identities. We became prisoners of the game. Hey, we control your life. The only way out is to win. All right, remember, you're my eyes. No way. Players, show us your weapons. Now, as you can tell from the, the sort of tone that we have from that trailer, it's a film very much aimed at, at the youth audience. Um, basic flavour of the plot incoming. A high school senior finds herself immersed in an online game of truth or dare where her every move starts to become manipulated by a community of watchers. And you don't know their names. They are hidden behind keyboards. This is a film with a very big message. Uh, it became one of the surprise and one of the most underrated successes of 2016 for, for Lionsgate. As you can tell, there's a bit of a Lionsgate vibe to this week's reviews. Uh, we've got two Lionsgate films. I'm not sure who handles the distribution on The Crow, but we we will find that out and we'll tell you in one of the, one of the actual live segments. Uh, we have a clip. Be warned, there is some 12, 15 levels of shame in here. So bear that in mind. Get ready to hide your laptops, kids. Here's a clip. Okay. You're on. Hey, watchers. It's it, baby. I'm counting on you to get me to the final round, so don't let me down, and I won't let you down, I promise. I thought it was a full moon last night. Seriously. As you can tell, we were totally prepared for that. Um, but yeah, this is a... I enjoyed this film when it came out in cinemas. It was a, a, a film that was... I think it was the general manager of the time. I think it was Mel who recommended this film to me. She'd seen it at a, at a film day's uh, press show and she said, Jack, you got to look at this film. You might enjoy it. I was like, and I did. This is an example of an indie gem that audiences can really un uncover and identify with. The UK release was pretty low-key, quiet and understated. It opened against Pete's Dragon here in the UK in 2016. And it became one of the unique surprises. It's all mainly down to a brilliant script from Jessica Scharzer. And it's adapted from a 2012 novel by Gene Ryan. Uh, it's very well-structured. It allowed some pretty good character development. Uh, as well, 
as a very clever narrative, it focuses on the increasing nature of those dares. And you don't really see a film that does the whole, we're a day to do something, here's what to do, go ahead and do it. You don't see a film that handles it very well. Because, I mean, it focuses on the whole fact of life. We've all got these, we've all got these smartphones now, and it uses these as a pretty damn good plot device. Uh, and how they impact, how these dares pretty much impacts everyone. It, it really does do a good job of upping the stakes, upping the tension, and it also allows the two leads to showcase what they are incredibly good at. This is Emma Roberts and Dave Franco. They are able to shine and make these characters feel believable, well-rounded. You identify with them throughout. The Emma Roberts character is trying to get into university. She can't get the funds. There's a lot of morals here. She meets this this bloke, um, and then they go on this ser- series of events that really does make you stop and think. It's back in the day. I said in the original review when I did when I wrote the review four years ago, I was of the mentality the schools should use this film for the social personal, social, uh, health and education lessons. Oh, I remembered that after many years. Um, but I said the school should use it because it's a pretty damning diamond of what online culture has become and it's become more prevalent. I've not mentioned the directors, though. Henry Juice and Ariel Shulman. Fans of the MTV show Catfish will know those names. They are the blokes behind that show, and they've brought. They are able to direct this one very well. It's their vision that makes this film really come alive. I, they've got. They've able to stage the dares in a way that makes it look like you're watching through the game itself. You feel like you're a bystander watching these dares happen. You feel like you're in the world of New York City watching all of this involve. And I was, I actually went and watched it twice at the cinemas, and I do not do that often. I really do not do that often. Uh, oh, yeah, and the score from um, Rob Simonson. Hot and fresh sign fact incoming. He actually reused a cue from this film in Love Simon. You know the scene in Love Simon where they're on a Ferris wheel? That's music from Nerve that you're hearing in the background on that sequence. That's a nice little hot fresh science fact. I need to get a jingle made for that, actually. If you if if I've, if all this is sorted by the time this goes out live later, we might play a hot and fresh science fact sound effect from the cart wall. But again, all depending on how quickly we can get this turned around. But I really enjoyed this film. It's an incredibly well-paced, well-thought-out, well-rounded film. And it does have a powerful message at the end which I won't spoil, because you have to watch the film to understand it. But it, when it came out, it was the sort of film we needed to freshen up what was a very generic summer of movies. It had a combination of a unique plot. It had some great performances and some incredibly slick direction. Made this one of the most seized films of the summer for what is now de- clearly defined as audiences who are into the whole influencer kind of thing. This was influencers before influencers were a thing. Oh, and I have to mention, because we are on YouTube, because I've got you'd be wrong not to me for me not to mention it. An absolute god of this platform 
popped up in this film. You'd have probably spotted him in the trailer if you're watching, but yes, Casey Neistat has a cameo. I lost my mind when that happened, because I'm a fan of what he does. I, I, I love his vlogs. His sort of aesthetic kind of dictated early journals. <laughs> I thought I'd make that one on a stream. But this is a film made for what has now become influencer culture before it was even a thing. This is before Love Island became a thing. This is before Twitter became the big juggernaut. This is before Messenger Rooms launched. And we've been using that a lot internally, that and Zoom as well. But this is a definite high-end, should-be-watched kind of film. I enjoyed Nerve. I loved the film. It very nearly got film of the year, but then then Arrival happened, and it was a film that really took me by surprise, and I enjoyed that more than Nerve and... Yeah, we've reviewed Arrival in the past on Talking Smith Bear Films, so if you want to go back into the archive, we might put that out as a solo thing on the podcast channel. We don't know. We'll still figure out the strategy. But Nerve was a really damn enjoyable film, uh, and that's our first review of many done for this week. Now we're going to do something quite bold, because this review has been pre-recorded. You've seen me live at the top of this episode. Let's go back live to this place right now for this week's film news rundown. Fingers crossed this works. Well, it does indeed work. Oh, all I need to do is just up the brightness on the camera and we're good to go. But that's irrelevant. I will do that pretty quickly when we've got a trailer on, hopefully. But like I say, it's time for the film news rundown. And there's a lot this week. View and Cineworld have implied that July opening is on the cards. This could be big. It all hinges on what Prime Minister Boris Johnson announces on Sunday afternoon. Please let him open. Please let him open. Uh, also, Andy Circus. God bless him. He is reading the entire Hobbit for 12 hours straight, raising some much-needed money for charity. What a man. He is forever attached to the Lord of the Rings franchise, and I wouldn't expect anything more from him. He has been doing stuff like this for years. The man has morals. In terms of casting, we've got a lot in this week. Neve Campbell is in talks to come back to the Scream franchise. They are, they're going to make a fifth Scream film. I don't know how. I don't know why. But she's in talks to come back, which a lot of fans are happy about. Uh, it was also announced this morning that The Rock and Emily Blunt are to work together once again. They've just made Jungle Cruise together. They're going to make a, a film called Borg and Chain, I understand. From what, I, what I've read, it sounds like a remake of Pete Berg's uh, 2008 film Hancock. Same kind of plot. Seen that one on Twitter a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. My Star Wars shirt's quite apt. Taika Waititi's going to direct a Star Wars movie. That's going to be a pretty lovely prospect. He's already... T- he jokingly tweeted a few years back, how long is it going to be before I get fired? I'd say about a week. Knowing how invaluable he has become to Marvel over the last couple of years, I don't think it's going to be longer than a week. He'll do the whole project. But the news for me that took me by surprise 
was the news that Kate Blanchett has been a potentially attached to the role of Lilith in an adaptation of the video game Borderlands. And I've been playing a lot of Borderlands lately. I've finished the pre-sequel, I'm in process on Borderlands 2, and it's, it's the sort of thing... I don't, I don't know whether Kate Blanchett would be able to pull off a role like that, because there is a certain kind of character. Luke's a certain kind of character who you need a certain kind of actress to, actress to do. She's... I don't know if she can pull it off or not, but only time will tell. And that is your film news rundown. Ooh. I just someone saying in the chat, the shame there's only two people watching. I'm kind of used to it, actually. I'm kind of used to it, because about six weeks ago, this was an audio-only podcast, and the YouTube's a bit of an experiment. So, I've completely forgotten how we set up the next film. Oh, yeah, I remember now. So... That's all from me in a live capacity for now. I'll be back a little bit later on, maybe, potentially after this review. I can't remember. It's all very heavily scripted here tonight. So, me from six hours ago, take it away. Thanks, me from now. Now we've gone back to me from ten past three this afternoon, because we are pre-recording the reviews this week, just to make sure... But we actually have something for our podcast listeners. Our second review this week is kind of harkening back to something that we discussed on Rip Ticket Review last week. Uh, It's a film that came out in 1994, and it's a film that I discussed at length for a whole hour with Dan Carver, and I thought it was worthy enough of getting its own review here on Talking Smith About Film. If you haven't seen this film before, it's... A film which changed Hollywood in a lot of ways. Sit back, relax. It's an 18 certificate film, by the way, so be warned. Here is the trailer for The Crow. Devil's Night is upon us again. Throw a little party, start a bunch of fires, make a little profits. Someone's dead. They can't come back, can they? So I thought. Are you referring to anyone in particular? You know, my daddy used to say, every man's got a devil. You can't rest till you find him. Winked at me before he jumped out a fourth floor window like he had wings. This link between the land of the living and the realm of the dead. Someone killed the crow. Call, call, bang, I'm dead!
So, as you can tell by that trailer, this is a very dark, very brooding kind of film. It's not the sort of thing you'd see in cinemas that often. To give you a basic flavour of the plot, it's based on James O'Barr's comic books of the same name. A man who was brutally murdered comes back to life as an undead avenger of his and his fiance's murder. This is the ultimate act of showing your love for the love of your life. He is not afraid to do anything to avenge what a group of people did to his love, Sherry. This is a guy called Eric Draven, a rocker. Someone who, who didn't know what he wanted from life. Someone who wanted to do right by the girl of his dreams. And whether that involves glorified violence, well, he does what he does best. We do have a clip. Unfortunately, we are going to have to block part of this clip because safe for work comes to mind. But this gives you an idea of the sort of film we have here. It's Alex Proyas directed film before he made awful, abysmal things like Gods of Egypt. Here's a clip. Hell, that thing get in here. Gentlemen. I suppose you're wondering why I've called you all here today. <laughs> you know, friend, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's a party crasher. You're him, huh? The Avenger. The killer of killers. Nice outfit. I'm not sure about the face, though. I just want him. Well, you can have him. Well. I see you have made your decision. Now let's see you enforce it. Oh, this is already boring the shit out of me. Kill him! You can tell where we had to get inventive. I was literally... Even though this bit's pre-recorded, we are still cutting this live, by the way. You can tell where I was literally... Had my finger on the mouse button on our little block button. It, it, it's a long story, but... This is a very unique film. It's taken the creation of a brand new podcast for me to review this thing. And having now covered this film in depth with Dan over on Rope Ticket Review, I can understand why this film has become the cult sensation that it has done over the last 26 years since it came out. Uh, unlike his later works, this is, like I mentioned, it's directed by Alex Proyas, the man who directed iRobot, Gods of Egypt. This was his very first film. Unlike his later works... Price's direction is pretty much faultless. He takes the atmosphere of the comics and he transferred it incredibly well to the, depending on which version of the film you watch it, either the 137 or the 142 runtime. It's because they've got like, different work print versions. I sing the 137 version. Uh, but it's paced to perfection. It stays very true to the source material and it's a 
worthy enough to wear that 18 certificate with pride. I mean, the fact that we just had to censor the clip kind of tells you a lot about the sort of film that we that we have here. Uh, what else do we have? It's a heavy film. It is a very heavy film. And again, we discussed that at length on Rip Ticket uh, on Sunday Just Gone. And given the tone and the way, a lot of the way this plot is handled, it is incredibly justified. There are themes of this film that won't sit comfortably with some viewers. There are themes of this film that won't sit comfortably with a minority of viewers. It's not, it's a Marmite film. You'll love it or you'll hate, or you will hate it. Uh, cinematography. Darius Wolski is behind the camera, and this is really where this is one of the reasons where this film comes alive. Because the cinematography, it's for '94, it's ahead of its time at points. For 1994, it really is ahead of its time because you've got some very well thought out action sequences. You've got some very well thought out cinematography. Some of the model shots in this film had me drooling at points. It felt at points like. What they'd learned from making a model shot on Blade Runner uh, were implemented very well. And they have all these other inventive bits of cinematography, some very quick, frenetic sequences. And just the way the film's coloured. Okay, we talked about this at Land Von Rip Ticket. It feels like you are watching the embodiment of the comics come to life, which is the best compliment you can bestow on a movie that has been adapted from paper based source material. Uh, I've got to mention Graham Ravel's score, not much default there. The soundtrack, the soundtrack's brilliant. The actual soundtrack's brilliant. There is a scene, I was tempted to use it for the clip, for, for YouTube viewers, but knowing the fact that Burn by the Cure is used in that sequence, I don't want to risk a content ID claim. Not a chance. But that brings us on to the performances, and this is quite a difficult subject to handle, given the fact that um, this is Brandon Lee's debut and only film in the mainstream, and Hollywood had a major star in him. He he had all the makings of a major star. His performance here kind of set the blueprint for what would go on to become the Joker. This is a very Heath Ledger-esque... This is Heath Ledger-esque performances before Heath Ledger gave performances of that, of that mantle. This is the performance of Brandon Lee's career. This is a film that would have propelled him to superstardom. This is the son of Bruce Lee we are talking about here. Had the events of March 31st, 1994 not happened, we would have been talking about this man right now. We would have been talking about this man and the performances he would have done. He was once tabled to play Neo in The Matrix. He would have become the Keanu Reeves of this generation, which is a shame. It is a shame that what happened on set that night happened. We're not going to bore you with the details because, again, we've done a full episode of a Rip Ticket review about it and we've had to put a trigger warning on that. That tells you how brutal the environment of this film is. Supporting him is a cast which includes Michael Wincott, Rochelle Davis, Sophia Shinas and many more. They all put in some fantastic work in this film. Uh, but I have to mention... We mentioned the Keanu thing. The man who was responsible for being the body double for Brandon Lee after the events of that night in March was a man called Chad Stahelski. 
and fans of the John Wick franchise will know that name because yes, the director was once upon a time, once upon a time, an actor, and he was the body double and the stunt coordinator for the crow and he's responsible for some of the most insane action he's responsible for that scene that we had to cut from the clip so that tells you a lot doesn't it he, 20 years on from the crow he would go on to co-direct john wick with uh with david leach and uh yeah that, it, as i said said to dan on sunday when we did the podcast it's hard to believe that this film has not only had an impact on the way Hollywood handles scenes involving firearms, but it also had an impact in terms of the talent that it brought us. Because, come on, we've we've got we, this film gave us the director of the John Wick films. So, let's have a verdict. The Crow is not only a damn good so-called superhero movie, but in the eyes of my rip ticket co-host Dan, it's also a very good gothic romance as well. And a, Again, we're not going to tell you why it's a gothic romance because you've got to go out and listen to the podcast. Yeah, you've got to go out and listen to Rip Ticket. Uh, but it works on so many levels. It's had a hell of an impact on pop culture. And for that, we've got a lot to thank Brandon Lee. His performance really did make this film come alive. It is a definite go-out-and-see-it-now kind of film. There you go. It's a definite go-out-and-see-it-now kind of film because it's... It's a film you should see, ideally in a dark room with a good sound system. And, yeah, there's not much you can really say about it. Right, shameless plug aside, uh, let's tell you a little bit more about our other podcast. Uh, And on top of that, this means we can handily segue back into some live content. We'll be back... 100% 100% live with more talking spit about film pretty shortly. In a world where film podcasts solely focus on multiple films and multiple stories, what else do you need than two blokes who used to present a radio show talking nonsense about film? The Rip Ticket Review is the new podcast from myself, Jack Smith, and my very good friend, Dan Carver, former presenters of Pulse Radio's Rip Ticket Show. And every Sunday, we get together online and talk nonsense about the infamous films, the infamous directors, and the tales that make these things interesting. We've looked at things like The Room. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. <laughs> 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 it's, it's about as bad as the uh, the scene later in the film. How did you sex? We've looked at things like Uwe Boll's inability to make a good video game movie. Uwe Boll, a German director who didn't understand computer game movies. One might argue that um, he is kind of like Tommy Wiseau in that he did his own thing. Um, But yeah. (laughs) There is a a minefield here that we can really go down with Uwe Boll. We've looked in depth at the whole coronavirus effect on the film industry and we're only just getting started. You can watch the podcast being recorded live every week 
at facebook.com forward slash ripped ticket show you can follow us on twitter at ripped underscore ticket you can email us using ripped ticket show at gmail.com and you can find the audio on all good podcast providers including apple podcasts spotify google podcasts and basically all your favorite podcast merchants really the rip ticket review we talk about movies in an attempt to make you sound more knowledgeable at the pub when they eventually reopen that is so i've just been reading about some of the movies that the live chat have been suggesting i'm just going to say right now there's not a chance we're going to feature that sort of thing we we don't really review many horrors as it is and even then, the threshold has got to be, like, ridiculously low levels of horror. And that's not the sort of thing we are going to re- feature at any point on Lee Jack's Bit Adventures content. Uh, it's just gone 32 minutes past seven here in the UK. Uh, this is, of course, talking Spitback film live. This is one of our little live inserts because... Because the amount of technical issues we've been having running this stream every week, the decision was made to pre-record the review. So we've got one more review in in the, in the can for you, and big discussion as well. Uh, it's a literally a frantic race against time to get this podcast done by 8 o'clock when the whole nation literally goes out and applauds the people who are making the world turn right now. So... We have one more review. I can't remember if I set this one up in, in the actual pre-record or not, uh, but we shall see. Uh, what well, While I'm here, actually, we've just done The Crow. Uh, if you head over to the Lee Jack Smith Podcasts channel, you don't have to go over to Facebook to watch Rip Ticket because we upload them here on YouTube as well. So if you go to uh, Lee Jack Smith Podcasts, and you'll be able to find all of the episodes of Rip Ticket Review that we've done so far. We've done episodes on Uwe Boll, we've done episodes on The Room, we've done the episode we did on The Crow last week, and this week we are going to be doing an episode on Bloodsport, the almighty Jean-Claude Van Damme film that kicked off his career, and the claims by Frank Dukes about what actually made that film what it was. I'll be back as live uh, in a little bit. Now for our third and final review. Now, once again, this review is a a pre-record, uh, purely and simply, because we're going out at 7 o'clock tonight and with all the technical issues I had behind the scenes, um, this whole clap for carers thing that's coming up at eight o'clock we want to make sure we're done before eight o'clock when internet traffic soars and i have just realized something i'm looking pretty damn pale so we are actually on the fly you can tell we are under rehearsed this week ladies and gentlemen there we go we are going to review a film that all of you can watch this together this weekend uh, as i will have probably just mentioned in the film news rundown lionsgate are putting out a series of streams over the next couple of weeks for uk audiences some of their classic films that did incredibly well in cinemas when they opened last week they did la la land and we will be reviewing that here on talking smith about film even next week or the week after. I can't remember what we have planned because we have got basically 
everything up to the next journal sorted in terms of podcasts. But this week, they are showing one of the best feel-good films that I can think of. And it's a film by Dexter Fletcher. It may say 20th Century Fox in this trailer, but Saturday, 6pm, on the Lionsgate UK YouTube channel, get the family together for a bit of a... a, A British classic in the making. This is the trailer for Eddie the Eagle. I was in the hospital for a year when I was a kid. All the doctors said I should give up sports. Where do you think you're going, young man? The Olympics. You better take this. Put your medals in. Thanks, Mum. For as long as I can remember, it has been my ambition to become an Olympian. Eddie, you are not an athlete! I just needed to find the right sport. Britain hasn't had a ski jumper since 1929. I'm going to be a ski jumper. He's going to break his neck. I'm going to break his neck. The time to start jumping is when you're five or six. I heard you were a champion, so I was thinking maybe you could give me a few tips. Give up. There's one for free. Watch this guy, number two in the world. And he knew what he was doing. It's not actually going to jump, is it? You're not going to give up, are you? You want your moment, Eddie? You've got to do this for real. Our strategy will best be described as ugly but effective. The Olympics is associated with qualities. Excellent. I have no desire to associate with defeat. You're a disgrace to the sport. Good. Personal best! And we're a disgrace! Mr. Edwards, your jump doesn't count. Because you just changed the rules. Don't I have a right to represent my country? No. My dream's turned into a nightmare. It's a world that doesn't want to know you. So what's new? The British Olympic Association is trying to stop me. I have to do this. The press all want to hear your story. I was kicked off every team I was ever on. Before I even got a chance to prove myself. I take jumping very seriously. Nearly as much as proving people wrong. Where do you think you're going? The Olympics. I thought you might need this. It's higher than you jumped before. Faster than you've gone before. You can break bones. You're lucky if you can walk again. As your coach, I think you're crazy. But as your friend, Just watching that back brought back so many memories for me. This came out the same weekend that Batman v Superman did and they promoted it heavily within the um, the iconic walls of View Preston before the refurb. And I know some of the staff watch this. Remember when every single poster in the entire cinema was for this film? I do. Remember it like it was yesterday. But you all know the story. 1988, Britain was represented at the Winter Olympics by an underdog ski jumper by the name of Eddie Edwards. Although Eddie's not his real name. Hollywood getting away once again, am I right? But... 
This film is kind of a depiction of that story. They've changed some elements. They've enhanced some elements. But the premise is the same. It follows the journey to that infamous jump at the Olympics and the sacrifices Eddie had to make in order to get that moment to happen. All I need to say about this film before we run the clip is Hugh Jackman and Taron Egerton. Friends for life as a result. And this clip shows you exactly why. Here's a clip. Want your moment, Eddie Edwards? I can get you your moment. But it's gonna hurt like hell. For both of us. Your back leg takes in the wrong position. Get him closer. Any better? It's not better. It's crap. Feel the weight in your feet. Feel the weight. I got you. Keep working on your telemark landing. It's key. Okay? Look. More difficult than I expected. Good. That's it. That's it. Good. One, two, three. Yes, 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 yes. No. Well, you can tell we're recording this as live because I nearly forgot the end of the clip then. But. I loved this film. The Eagle indeed landed that weekend in April 2016 when this film came out. It's unique. It's charming. It is a beautifully crafted film. I I cannot find much faults with it. Within the running time, which I can't remember for the life of me, so I have to cheat and get my my notes up here. As you can tell, still very much a gung-ho atmosphere at Smith HQ. It's a one-man show, so uh, anything can quite rightly happen. But before I find out how wrong, how wrong this film is, it's a one-hour, 46-minute film. There we go. It's a one-hour, 46-minute film directed with ease by the almighty Dexter Fletcher. This is before any talk of directing Queen, this is all end before any talk of directing Rocketman was a was a, a thing for him. He'd just made Sunshine on Leaf, which was a, a, a musical film that uh, kind of put him very firmly placed to work on a film of this nature. And it, it, it arguably shows, because... It's a film that just works on, on so, so many levels. He's working with Matthew Vaughan on this thing. And Matthew Vaughan, he knows how to make a good depiction of the 80s, of course. He was the one responsible for discovering Taron Edgerton and making his Hollywood career a thing with Kingsman, which came out the year before. It's a very heartfelt depiction of the 1980s. It treats the story with ease the script is incredibly funny there are a lot of nice little callbacks uh it is written by sean mccauley and simon kelton and their script just makes this whole thing come alive it is very well thought out very well paced 
some good dialogue in this film just works on many levels you feel like you're rooting for eddie even though you know the story and you know what happened uh the music uh, from God, who was it who did the score? I know it wasn't Henry Jackman. It was the other the other guy who worked on King Matthew Margison. There you go. I remember that one, Matt Margison's score. It really does feel like the nineteen eighties, and we've got a, like a great soundtrack too. You heard a bit of it in the clip, but you got Hall and Oates. You got uh, a lot of involvement. Gary Barlow wrote new songs for the film with a lot of classic eighties artists. There's a new Hulk, well, it was new at the time. There was new Howard Jones tracks playing on the end of the credits. There was a new Holly Johnson track playing at the end of the credits. It gets the eighties vibe right, and you don't see many films. You don't see many British films get the eighties vibe right. As for the performances. And this is before we talk about cinematography. The fact we're doing performances first tells you a lot. You sit it in the clip. This is a film centrally built around the performances of Taron Egerton and Hugh Jackman. Taron is playing Eddie. He's got the teeth. He's got the glasses to match. And it's perfect. There is not a word I can think of other than perfect. It's the performance and it put put Hollywood firmly in notice for Taron. It's just a shame that the first film he got offered as a result of this movie was Robin Hood. Yes, really, he made Robin Hood and Kingsman, another Kingsman film after this. And Sing as well, but that's, that's irrelevant. So I've actually stuff talking about here. But his performance is damn near perfect. Working with Hugh Jackman as well. Hugh Jackman plays Katrina. And yes, Katrina has been fictionalised for the purposes of entertainment. But you can sort of see the parallels. They've, they've amped up the character. You can see the redemption arc here as well. It's a, as we mentioned at the top of the review, it's a proper feel-good movie. You've got the rest of the cast as well. You've got Tim McInerney off of Blackadder. Um, Jim Broadbent as a BBC commentator. This, this film gets it right on so many levels. But I think where this film really works is in the cinematography. And again, Matthew Vaughan had invo- involvement. Involvement. That's, that's going to be a new term. If, if Matthew Vaughan's invo- involved in film, involvement. That's pretty good. That might become a running joke. Uh, but George Richmond is behind the camera and if any of you have seen Kingsman the Secret Service or Kingsman the Golden Circle then you know that man is a god behind the camera honestly all I need to say is church sequence but this film put Matthew Vaughan on an unbeaten streak he's put him this film made him a producer who knows where to put money into good films and again Vaughan would have been directing this if he hadn't got hold up with a Kingsman film. But he knows talent when he sees it. This film put Taron Egerton on the map. And he is now a Hollywood darling, getting to work with people like Elton John on things like Rocketman, which we reviewed on the Rip Ticket radio show last year. And we might play the audio of that out at some point. Uh, because why not? And I know I know one of our listeners may be very happy about a Rocketman review. Hello, Gemma, if you're listening. Uh, but I, I loved this film, and you will too when it goes out on Saturday 
it is a go out and see it now kind of film. It is a film you should watch. And once again, I cannot stress this enough. If you are listening to this podcast or watching this podcast before Saturday, uh, which I believe is the 9th of May, get on to the Lionsgate UK YouTube channel and join the thousands of people who are going to be watching this film along. Because they are going to be streaming this film. I'm just quickly pulling up the details now of what channel you should go to on Saturday uh, to watch the film with the whole nation. Because, of course, I have it. I bought the ultraviolet copy many, many, many years ago. So I'll be using that to do the watch along. So if you go to Lionsgate Films UK... Oh, there it is. This might not work, but I mean... This channel here, Lionsgate Films UK, you can see they've already got it set up. So go to this channel on Saturday and um, you can watch with basically the whole nation. Uh, Eddie the Eagle, uh, free of charge. You don't even need to pay for it. It's brilliant. Uh, And they're going to be doing a couple more. They did La La Land last week. They're going to be doing Bend It Like Beckham next week. And they're closing out at the end of the month with the Hunger Games. They might do more. We will keep you updated on the film news rundown as and when they announce more of these. But it all really hinges on what gets next on Sunday, doesn't it? Because, uh, topical. Right, that's the last of our pre-recorded segments done. Let's go back live to the studio for this week's big discussion. And inevitably, we're going to be talking a lot about the whole Odeon universal debate because we know a bit more about what's happening with that now we do indeed and oh god i really have to put my brightness up now as you can tell still very much a one-man affair here at smith hq oh still very much figuring all of this out as we go along but we do indeed have big discussion to do there we go. We do indeed have big discussion to do this week, and we know a little bit more about what the hell's happening with the whole Odin debate. This is a, a chain that have had 70 years of history here in the UK. They are on the verge of making history for all of the wrong reasons right now, because they've just basically blacklisted an entire distributor for going premium video on demand. This is an AMC call, so we'll take the story from the top. On March 17th, Odeon, View and Cineworld are ordered to close their sites by the Prime Minister as a result of COVID-19. We can't really... We're not allowed to say coronavirus on YouTube, so we've got a podcast for this fair game. Three days later, Universal released Emma the Hunt and the Invisible Man to premium video on demand. This is your... You pay to own downloads. The skipping cinema runs and going pay to own. On March 23rd, a couple of days after that, lockdown kicked in. And that's where we are now. But one week later, Trolls World Tour was released to premium video on demand and went on to gross a reported $50 million on its opening weekend. I don't know if we can call it an opening weekend, more an opening rental period, I don't know. 
And that brought us to April 29th, when AMC block all of the Universal releases, regardless of the theatrical window, to all of their cinemas globally. This is a big deal, because Universal are in charge of releases of some of the biggest box office films over the next 12 months. So they're handling Bond over here. They're handling Fast and Furious 9, which looks like it's going to be one of the biggest releases of 2021, even after COVID. A Fast film can get audiences through the doors. But an action like this is seriously unprecedented. Cineworld have taken quite a firmer stance. They've just said, look, if you're not going to adhere to the 16-week cinema window, because you play a film in a cinema for 16 weeks, that's a minimum contract. This could have some serious ramifications for the entire industry. And as we mentioned, if this ban continues any longer than the amount of time that the cinemas are closed, we the cinemas could lose more money than Universal because they rely on these big releases like Bond, Fast and Furious, Tenet, Wonder Woman 84s. This, this is quite unprecedented times. But the one chain we've not heard from about the whole PVOD window, well we have now, is View. View have actually defied the entire industry and they've said, look, we're going to back Universal because we can see a future where premium video on demand and the big screen can work together. I was kind of expecting that kind of response from a company who have just spent millions of pounds on a marketing campaign called Get Lost in Great Stories with a two and a half minute film about the wonders of the big screen experience. Yeah, I'm still very much up to date. But this is a, a kind of a, a nice little twist of the knife because View have had disputes of their own with Universal. Roughly this time last year, they were bickering with Universal over the box office terms on releases like uh, How to Train Your Dragon in the Hidden World. They nearly had issues on Downton, from what, I, from what I heard at the time. We are in some seriously unprecedented times for the film industry. Whether cinemas can reopen safely, we, we shall have to wait and see. As we mentioned in the rundown, View and Cineworld have implied that they are ready for July. Could it be too soon? Could it be too late even? We are, it's, it's, it's just surreal. I do not want to have to report on the death of a major chain. AMC were close to bankruptcy a couple of weeks ago. They got, they got bailed out, mercifully. But the lack of cinemas to show new product could hit everyone. It's even hitting the Ukraine film production students I worked with last year. They are in uncertainty as to whether they can make movies again. Not just for cinema, but movies in general. Because they've not been able to go out and make stuff. I know what the thing that Caitlin, one of the directors of Haunting, has been working on. She had to submit her final piece unfinished because they couldn't get it animated. So this is going to have some serious ramifications for everyone on in exhibition, in distribution, and in production as well. COVID has screwed everyone. And I am just looking forward to a day where I can get back in my recliner, 
Yeah, because we've got a recliner site here in Preston. I'm looking forward to the day where I can get back in my recliner and watch a good movie with friends, with staff. Because, yeah, I'm in with these staff, no big deal. But this virus has really hit everyone. I am literally counting down the days until I'm back in my second home so I can run totally not on my birthday birthday marathon. That's a bit of an exclusive there. We've not actually announced that yet. Birthday marathon is still happening in some capacity when everyone's back open. So it's coming up on 5 to 8 here in the UK. Well, it's 56 minutes past 7 here in the UK now. Uh, and we know a lot of you are going to be taking part in Clap for Carers in a couple of minutes. So we're going to start wrapping it all up. Uh, we've got a busy couple of weeks on Talking Smith about film. Uh, mainly because we have actually planned everything out. While I get up what we're reviewing over the next couple of weeks, uh, just a quick reminder for YouTube viewers, if you haven't already watched it, there is a brand new episode of the journal to enjoy below. Oh, next week's still to be decided. We are definitely reviewing La La Land next week. On May 21st, we'll be reviewing I, Tonya, Nightcrawler and playing out some classic Rip Ticket archive material. Myself and Dan Carver reviewing Captain Marvel. I can also confirm on June 4th, there'll be a very special EJackSmith.com anniversary special, which may or may not include the premiere of the June episode of the journal. There's a lot to look forward to over the next couple of weeks. And genuinely, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing live podcasts again. So, until next week, we'll see you for the live stream. Podcast listeners, hang around. Might have some stuff from last week. It's all back together. My name's Jack Smith. You've been talking nonsense about film for a little bit too long. And until next week, we'll see you at the movies. Take it easy. Stay safe, everyone. See you later. <laughs>